0: It's Monday, November 25th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Mark Reith, and joining me in studio for Motley Fool 1, Jason Moser, and misguided Patriots fan Maddie Argersinger. Gentlemen, happy Monday. <laughs> happy Monday. Hey. Terrible game.
1: Oh, the one of the best comebacks game. of all time. No, no, the worst, worst game, I've ever game seen. was the Packers Vikings right. game. That thing was a snore. <laughs> overtime, man. Yeah, but they didn't even score. <laughs> so the, the whole overtime period, they finished up in a tie still. Yeah, yeah, terrible. I think after that point, they just go to
0: sudden death and try to resolve it. There should be no ties in the NFL, Mark. Wow. Opinions running hot here in the studio. Uh, let's turn away from the NFL and turn towards the markets. In fact, the NASDAQ uh, has hit 4,000 for the first time since September 7th, 2000. Guys, that's half my lifetime. Not to, not to <laughs> oh, date myself. Hey, thanks, it. Mark. <laughs> yeah. Well, the reason I mention it, I wasn't paying attention to the market in 2000. You old codgers probably were. So can you tell me, was the market really so bubblicious
2: back then? Why did it take so long to get back here? It is, it is remarkable that it's 13 years. And, you know, we're still, even at 4,000, which is an impressive number for the Nasdaq, we're still not near over 5,000, which is what the Nasdaq actually peaked, I believe, in March Two thousand nine, so yeah. or sorry, March two thousand. Yeah, so it's been amazing, and it just shows you how much of a bubble. If it took thirteen years to get back to, to this just this level, we're still not at the highs. Mm. I mean, what kind of bubbles were we seeing in two thousand? And clearly, we were seeing plenty. And I I wasn't paying very close attention to the market back <laughs> then, but I do know. That I think the S and P five hundred at, at the time was trading at like twenty seven times earnings, which is for the S and P five hundred is is pretty remarkable. Right. God knows what the Nasdaq was trading at, but I mean, so many companies on the Nasdaq we know, you know, they weren't reporting profits. There were no earnings. It was all you know priced on eyeballs and new dot com era type metrics, and there was nothing, no consideration for earnings, cash flow, balance sheet strength. I mean, there were there were companies like Linux that when that had their IPO, I'll, I'll never forget reading about it. I think it, I kind of have this wrong. I think it quadrupled the date it made its debut in the public. But in the S one statement for the IPO, Linux actually said, "You know what? We're probably we're not going to have profits in the foreseeable future. In fact, we may never have profits." And that was in the S one, and of course, the stock. It didn't matter. The stock still me up. Yeah. quadrupled and had some crazy multi billion dollar valuation on its debut, and it just showed you that was that was the time.
0: Wow, uh, Wild West. Uh, okay, so right now, NASDAQ's over 4,000. Last week, Dow Jones and S&P 500 hit all-time highs. Uh, is this boosting your confidence in the market, or is it time to be fearful when others are greedy? So, I I mean, I would
1: – I take this with a grain of salt. I mean, I think Maddie keyed in on a valuation point there with the S&P. At around twenty-seven times or so, like back in that in that, in right that right era, right. and and for context today, it's around uh, eighteen or nineteen, and and I think that it's you could argue the point that that these earnings uh, that that we're seeing today are are more managed earnings. In yeah. other words, companies aren't really growing their sales as much as we'd like to see them, and so they're managing those those bottom line numbers, which you know, I mean, it, it does at least raise I think some concerns to to the sustainability of this earnings growth. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, when you're talking about the Nasdaq index, I mean those. Those are the, you know, those are the tech companies. Those are the ones we're seeing all of these IPOs mm-hmm. uh, rolling out uh, that are that are helping to boost that index. or At least some of them. I mean, when you look back to 1999, it was funny. I was looking at some of these great first day IPO performers, and I mean stocks that you know the, IP, the IPO would and then they pop one hundred, two hundred, three hundred percent a day. You remember Ask Jeeves?
0: I mean, I don't know if
1: anybody actually does remember. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're too young for wasn't that. that.
0: Wasn't that where you could just get an internet butler to Google things? For you? I'm
1: basically. I mean, it was just, you know, it was basically just one of those sort of beginnings, beginning stages of, of internet search, I guess, to, to some degree. But uh, the IPO there, that stock popped 367 post 364% the first day. So think uh-huh. about that. Oh, wow. I mean, <laughs> and wow. And that's that's – is it around even today? I mean, I guess maybe it still exists, but I don't know that it's. Uh, I don't think anyone's even. asking Jeeves any right, today. Right, <laughs> exactly. So I mean, I think that you know when we see all of these IPOs going out there today, I mean, you have to you have to wonder what are these business models based on. I mean, we saw the Snapchat valuation here with mm. the offer from Facebook at three billion dollars, and that's a company that hasn't even made any money yet. Yeah. Um, they're all vying for I think a big part of that five hundred billion or so uh, dollar advertising. Market right. And and as mobile uh, takes over, these companies are all trying to figure out how to monetize that. Some will do a very good job of it. Mm. Some won't do so well with it. Um, and, and so it, it is going to take some time to at least pick out the winners from that. I just think you have to you have to go in with a healthy dose of, of skepticism right. as to how sustainable this really is. Yeah, I
2: mean, Jason and I interviewed uh, Spencer Raskoff, yep. the CEO of Zillow, a couple weeks ago. And it was a great interview, and Zillow had great results. And, you know, the thing that Spencer kept telling us was, you know, that the advertisers follow audience. And that's that's important. I mean, that's Zillow, sites like Zillow, mm-hmm. um, like Facebook, obviously, and like Yelp, and a lot of others have tremendous audiences, and so it's it's a it's a bountiful harvest potentially for advertisers. The only thing I start to worry about a little bit, though, is that we are starting to see the same sort of thematic things that we saw in 2000, which is you know we're talking about traffic, we're talking about unique visitors, we're talking about site users, members, and that makes me a little worried sometimes that you know the market's sort of shifting that sentiment now is is basing on these things as opposed to earnings and cash flow which ultimately over time mm-hmm. over time those are those, those are the weighing factors of the market that is what is really going to establish the valuation of the market, and so if we get too far away from those things, I start to worry. Yeah, right. and I mean, maybe something from that also is
1: because there will be some there will there will be there will be a culling that that goes on here at some point, and and some of these uh, some of these companies that are performing so well today will be uh, more or less weeded out as, as pretenders. But I think w- one way to really look for those those uh, companies to be sticking around, pay attention to their management teams, because yeah. mm-hmm. I think a lot of these management teams that are out here today, you have a lot of sort of the Nothing against the younger sort of uh, teams that are getting out there for the first time, but but I think you also have some uh, some management teams that are maybe a little bit more groomed, a little bit more experienced in this type of, of line of work, and, and can probably uh, you know represent these companies better as, as long term uh, entities. And, and so, yeah, I think I think this is one of those situations where paying attention to management, understanding management's uh, goals, uh, can can certainly be helpful for longer term uh, investors. Well we said. Are.
2: So if you see some. Somewhere- like Mark Reith running a company. Uh, <laughs> <flee>. <laughs> Run Dude. far away. I Run need to hells. turn around you guys, really <laughs> and act like that. you didn't
0: see anything. <laughs> uh, speaking of management, management, by the way, nice segue. Thank you for this. Uh, <laughs> earlier this month, BlackBerry CEO Thorsten Hines was replaced by John Chen. But today we found out that the company is losing its COO, CMO, and CFO. <laughs> the C's. <laughs> I know, all the C's suites. Triple C. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, mass managerial exoduses aren't a good sign for a company. How are you guys interpreting this? Exoduses? Exod Exodi. Exodi? We'll check that later. <laughs> Exody. I don't know. I mean I just you're right. I think
1: that when you have when you have this kind of management turnover, you have to Boy, you have to really wonder. So, I mean, on the one hand, you know, at least with the with the COO, the chief operating officer, and the chief marketing officers, mm-hmm. they haven't been with BlackBerry all that long, so it's right. hard to argue that they've actually gotten the company to where it is today, to the position that it's in today. Right. Uh, the CFO has, has been the CFO for I believe four or five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be interesting to sort of see what kind of numbers <laughs> he knows and and uh, and what'll come of that. But no, I mean, I think generally speaking, uh, turn arounds don't really uh turn around all that often. Mm. And sometimes management shakeup is good. I mean, I think we could argue that Yahoo's management shakeup is pretty good in getting Marissa Meyer fair, in there. Uh, but that's just one executive, right? And right. when you have a whole executive team like this, basically, uh, you know, led by a temporary CEO, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are a lot of parties involved with BlackBerry right now that know a lot more uh, about the, the financial situation and what that company's worth than we do. Right. Uh, you know, Prem Watts uh, with Fairfax is, is uh, in the middle of this. And And I just – I don't see any real upside. There's no real reward that outweighs – the risk that you would take on in investing in a company like this, yeah, um, I, I don't know what kind of future these guys have, other than splitting up and, and being sold off in pieces,
2: right, right. And I think that's, I think that's exactly it. I think that's why we're seeing the, the exodai. Oh, oh exoduses really. and showing their exoduses. exodus exodus I, I mean, the so obvious reason years. we're seeing these exoduses. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, the company's is going to be, as Jason said, it's going to be sold. It's going to be broken up. I mean, this is now an asset play or a cash flow play for very short term. Prem Watson might, get, you know, is, might be the ultimate person behind that. So, it's it's yeah, right. There is just no future for these guys anymore. They and. They've they got to move on. What about John Chen, though? New CEO coming in. He's shaking things
0: up. Like you said, CMO, COO were brought on actually around the time Thorsten Hines came on. So is this John Chen just cleaning house and making way for his new vision? Can he turn the company around?
1: It's possible, but it's also possible that he has nothing to do with this. I mean, it's not right, to say that right. Fairfax might not have something to do with it as well. Right, yeah. um, and that's just the problem. I mean, there there is there is a transparency concern here that you. I, I don't see how any investor could go into this feeling like they – you know, really, really know what's going on with any with any level of confidence. And, and when you look at this huge market out there with all of these opportunities, I just don't see why anyone would look at BlackBerry as anything more than just, you know, potentially like a paperweight.
0: Poor old BlackBerry. Yeah. All right. Let's keep the uh, management news train rolling on. Earlier today, Walmart CEO and President Mike Duke announced that he'll be replaced by Doug McMillan on February 1st. Considering all the problems Walmart's been having recently, what are your feelings on the timing of this announcement?
2: Uh, well, the, yeah, the timing, that's a good question. I don't know about the timing. I think, from what I know about Doug McMillan, it's, he seems like the right guy. I okay. mean, he's the head, he was head of Walmart International. Right. That is obviously where most of Walmart's growth is going to come from. Right. It also keeps up Walmart's sort of tradition of hiring from within and, and hiring long-tenured Walmart employees. I mean, I think he started off as an associate in the early 80s, mm. had you know, various roles in the company in Oklahoma, and then kind of built up to be a manager and then eventually taking over International. So, um they've only had five CEOs since Sam Walton Wow they're not so I actually was, didn't know that right yeah. it, there hasn't been a lot of management turnover and and this you know Doug Mcmillan seems like he's he's the right guy as far as timing I, I don't I don't know that's a good question okay uh, yeah you keep saying Doug McMillan's the right guy but is the right move
0: hiring from within right now I mean you look at all the 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 bribery stuff the the strikes out west uh, do you really yeah. are, are investors looking at Mcmillan and saying yeah I trust this guy
2: you know the que- well I, I think for a company like Walmart with the culture that they have mm. bringing someone in, new in you know that a lot of companies do it's just it, it doesn't really fit they've got a they've got a process they've got a they've got a, a culture of efficiency and the way they do things and I just I, I would be very very surprised if Walmart ever brought in someone someone new it had to be someone from within mm. the fact that he's coming from the international side where a lot of these things are kind of Tinder boxing. I mean, right. That's probably not even a word, but you know, he could be the he could be the right guy for that to get a bigger role at the company. You have okay. to imagine too. I mean,
1: how detrimental it could be to to Walmart if they bring someone in. Who feels like, okay? I mean, this is retail, okay? It's not rocket science. It doesn't, it's not, doesn't take a lot to figure this out, right? Okay. Um, we but I mean, you bring someone out. in, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really feels like they can change things up. And I mean, let's, you know, look at Amazon for a second here because you have this big sort of race to the bottom, right? I mean, retail mm-hmm. at this level is just a race to the bottom to provide the lowest prices possible. And so, I mean, Walmart, for example, just they lowered their minimum order uh, for free shipping recently in order to be <laughs> able to compete with Amazon, which yeah. just raised its, uh, you know, limit because I think that was just a clear-cut move to get more Prime subscribers, and yeah. I'm sure it'll probably work out well for them. <laughs> yep. uh, but but for Walmart, it's going to be something that, you know, Walmart's going to have to learn how to become more efficient. Mm. They're going to have to learn how to cut more costs. And I mean, obviously, they have a tremendous distribution network around the world. Uh, but you know, if you get someone in there who feels like, okay, we have to take this company in 180 degrees the other direction, we got to change this whole thing. Around. I mean, that could really screw things up for okay. for a pretty well established player that does 450 billion plus in sales every year. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's all to say that when you look at something like a Walmart today, I mean, the market doesn't expect Walmart to grow mm. all that much. I mean, that's why it gets the, the you know 13 14 multiple that it gets today. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it is a good income uh, stock, a good a good dividend payer that'll probably continue to perform pretty well so I kind of like it to something like a Berkshire Hathaway in that you really you need to keep that established culture in there. And I think that's something they really focus on and
0: and, uh, and take pride in. Okay. Fair enough. Jason Moser, lobbying me more softball segues. Speaking of Amazon, news came out today that 5,000 Amazon warehouse workers went on a one-day warning strike in Germany. So this is kind of – this is obviously if it's a one-day warning strike, it's a, it's a shot across the bow. Uh, Christmas shopping season is beginning this week, Black Friday. Um, is Amazon getting the message? I I don't think necessarily
1: – I mean, I everything <laughs> I've read about Jeff Bezos and, and, you know, when you when you see things like this in the news, he's not one to typically hmm. uh, bow to things like this I and, mean, you know, like we will not negotiate with terrorists. i hmm. not calling Germans terrorists. Don't get me wrong. Just, <laughs> just an example, folks. Just an example. Don't get all That's worked up. Our, um, our two German listeners just hung up. But, <laughs> they're done. Oh. But, I, I mean, I think that – you know, I mean, this is not an insignificant part of Amazon's business. No. Uh, but by the same token um, – You know, again, Amazon is is all about efficiency and figuring out the best ways to do things, and the consumer comes first, not the employee. Mm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if – Germany just got bumped up to the top of the list to be replaced by Kiva robots uh, <laughs> because they don't strike. Right, that's, <laughs> but, that's a very good point. You know, I mean, hey, well, that, it goes goes hand in hand with the acquisition of Kiva not too terribly right. long ago to make those warehouses work better. It's true. Well, it is it's nice true. that the German workers
2: gave a warning strike. You know, right, I mean, it's right. like, you know, right. hey, it's right. we're going to yeah. consider it. We're warning you guys, and then the big one's coming. I mean, it's, it's nice. It gives Walmart, or, sorry, Amazon time to, to plan. But, yeah, to Jason's point, I just think, Employees customers have always come first, mm-hmm. and, that, and that's the case for Walmart as well. But uh, Amazon, in, in, in particular, and at some point, I feel like there could be a little bit of a break in that, only because you know Amazon does depend on on a huge, this huge distribution system, these massive warehouses where there's you know thousands of employees are really doing pretty menial tasks for many hours in the day, and it, it gets very stressful uh, during, particularly during uh, holiday times. So. Yeah. I just wonder at some point if is Amazon going to have to shift a little bit in its focus and say you know what we have to do a little more right by our Workers, right. um, if we continue, if we're going to continue to offer the great deals to our c- customers, maybe it has to start a little bit on the employees a little more. Yeah, so I think one, the, one additional risk factor for Amazon. I think. Yeah, man, yeah. I, I think you're right too. I, mean, I read the
1: the recent book out the Everything Store, and I mean, one of the themes of that book was uh, the culture, you know, inside the company. And I know that this was a polarizing book, and, and Jeff Bezos' wife was contesting many of the purported facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, you know, I think that at yeah, for for a long term success story to play out, like you have to have a place where people want to be. Right. You know, we have a place here, for example, in the Motley Fool. Where I think most everybody that works here likes being here. Mm. A lot of people probably love being here. <laughs> um, and and I think I think that you know, Amazon's obviously a very big company, but you have to have a place where people want to be, and workers have to feel respected. You know, no matter what they're doing, and so regardless of the fact of any of these things that were. That were written in the book, for example, are true. Mm. I don't. I don't know what kind of culture Amazon has. I've never worked there. I mean, I can only go by with what you know, what I've read. Uh, you have to acknowledge things like this. You can't just brush them off and say whatever. Right. Um, I mean, I think, you know, we were reading another article this morning in the paper that was talking about sort of the the sentiment in Germany right now. I think a lot of folks are pretty uh, up in arms, uh, getting tired of sort of that low uh, interest rate environment because it's really punishing savers. And Germany is a very uh, Mm -hmm. saver-heavy country. I mean, they're known for uh, saving, and and they're not really seeing any returns there. Maddie was just in Germany recently looking at some things there as, uh, you know, we – look at potential stock market opportunities in that country. And I think that as, as new generations uh, come through, I think, I think that you're going to see uh, you know, more opportunities for investing and stuff like that. So it, it's, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a tough environment right now. Right. Right. Okay. Well, definitely
0: something right to keep on. an eye on. All right. Matty Argersinger, Jason Moser. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank, Thank you. you. As always, people on this program may have interests in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by the Anne Henry. I'm Mark Reith. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.